1: You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Romillo, credentialed reporter, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Game four of the NBA Finals tips off in just a few hours, with Miami looking to even up the series at two games apiece. After a historically fantastic performance from Jimmy Butler, with momentum potentially shifting in Miami's favor, and with the possible return of Bama to Mayo, Game 4 is a must-win for the Heat to have any chance at winning the NBA title. So to help me break down the series up to this point, we recorded another crossover episode with Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers to get his perspective on what's happened up to this point and what might happen moving forward. It was a good conversation. Anthony's a great guy despite his Lakers allegiances. But I will say it was really eye-opening to hear him represent all Lakers fans and simply looking past Miami, even without the injuries to Bam and Goran Dragic. They really don't see the heat as a threat. Jimmy's big game three seems like more of an outlier, a great individual showing. But ultimately, because of the Lakers' top talent, Miami, in their view, just can't compete. Of course, I completely disagree and think that if Bam and Goran were healthy, the series would clearly be in Miami's favor. And I still expect them to make this competitive and make it a long series, if not win it outright. But we'll see what happens. And game four should be a good one. Part one of our conversation is over at Locked on Lakers. And this is part two. So please make sure to check them both out if you have time. Here's Anthony Irwin of On Lakers. Yeah, I, I just think
1: the way that you beat really, really good players like LeBron is by throwing very different looks at him as often as you possibly can. And the way yeah. that you beat somebody as good as Anthony Davis is the same kind of thing. You you mix it up with size. Sometimes You you put somebody smaller on him who can draw offensive fouls sometimes more effectively than big guys can. Uh, You just, you keep throwing the different options at them. And then, and then also, by the way, you throw your all world defender at him in big possessions to, to really make him think about those too. Like that's how, that's how, you know, that, that variability, those multiple pitches that you can throw, that's how you really bother players, you know, top end talent. And like we talked about with, with the role players, well, if you can force the role players to beat you and you can make the, the Lakers stars really kind of think about some stuff, you know, that's that's how that's how you 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 switch the odds or you flip the odds. It, it, which you know I'd still say I'd still take the Lakers as as betting favorites, but if you can if they can find that balance and if they can really make the Lakers work. Uh, harder than they how harder than they would like to and you 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 get that you know you, you make the game a a single possession type score and uh that that's that's where in 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 that single possession type score the 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 i you know i'm not very confident about the lakers in really close late games uh just because of how their offense can sometimes stagnate so if they can if Miami can you know, just avoid the double digit type leads and keep this thing close long enough by throwing multiple things at the Lakers. Like I, I, I don't, I don't mean to, to, you know, kind of disparage or, or, you know, make it sound like I'm ever not respecting Miami for, for what they can do. But at the same time, you know, the Lakers to this point are, I I still think the, the more talented team Goran not being able to potentially go, or, or if he goes, being somewhat diminished. It makes me, you know, nervous for, for Miami. I've dealt with plantar fasciitis and (laughs) it's just, it's brutal. It's just awful pain. Uh, So, you know, there are ways that that this can be made into a series. I just, I am still pretty confident in, in LeBron not getting so thoroughly outplayed again or, or Anthony Davis playing so poorly all over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, again, uh, in case our listeners or our cross section of listeners has not been following the the news about Goron, uh, not positive he was available to media on Monday afternoon, and he spoke about his injury. And apparently, something that we did not know is that it had been in existence for the previous two series against the mm-hmm. Celtics and Bucks, and that it was simply aggravated in Game One of the Lakers series. So not uh, a positive outlook and it does not seem like he'd be available to play i think he's continuing to progress at least from what he said and there's no timetable for his return and i don't know if he's weighing his future and his health and everything else over the possibility to play in the finals potentially for the last time so uh an an interesting and and sad subplot because goran is a hard worker and a great teammate and a a great player for this organization and he has uh, done a great job in his five-year span here but I wanted to ask you something because uh, my co-host saw Lockton NBA and I got into it a little bit. He brought up this question and I don't know how important it is for Lakers fans or yourself, but is the AD as finals MVP conversation one that's even being had Is it an issue? Does anybody care? Did he lose any chance of winning it after what happened in game three?
1: Yeah, I I said on the show that I I think he lost uh, he lost the award in, in that last game and so, the way that I'll kind of put it is, like if you're if you're trying to dethrone, uh, the the all time you know the, the world champion boxer, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you have to knock him out. Right. You know, you, you don't want to let that get to a decision. And for for AD, like LeBron is the favorite to win this award if if they win the series. And so AD would have to thoroughly outplay. LeBron in in order to get that get that trophy and you don't do that with 15.5 rebound type efforts Uh, foul trouble notwithstanding that was just a really poor effort and he shoots he shoots six times or no nine times over the course of the game and only two free throws he just he was basically non-existent out there and it's really rare for a, a guy to win finals MVP with that poor a an effort in in at any point in the series especially if because I still think this is a five game series so if 20% of his games over the course of the series are the way he played in in that game three mm-hmm. then and and LeBron you know granted LeBron wasn't too much better I thought some of his numbers were frankly kind of empty right but but he still outscored ad. He still out rebounded AD. He out assisted AD, uh, and seemed to care a lot more about the game than AD seemed to. So, yeah, I'm I'm of the belief that if if AD ever had a sh- uh, a shot at winning this thing, it probably left because of the way he played in Game Three.
0: Interesting, interesting. Are you are you on the other end of that? Do you think he could still win it? No, I do not. I, I don't okay. think. I mean, it would have to be. I mean, at least matching what Butler did, right, Right. I I think. um, And to have that incredible widespread historic impact across many different statistical fields. So that seems very, very unlikely given the way it's set up. We'll talk more about the impact of Bama to Bio's return and much more you're listening to Locked on Heat. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models and it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure pointless or intimidating questions While the person behind the counter orders the parts that you're looking for on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, rockauto.com is a family owned business. 20 years serving auto parts customers online. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy to use site and you'll get everything you need with just a few clicks delivered directly to your door. Why would you spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse, a car dealership? rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now and find all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their how did you hear about a section and enter the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. At some point in the day, you're bound to hit a wall. Mine usually hits me in the early evening when I'm tired from work and playing with my son. But whatever your wall is, built go is the solution. It's the healthy replacement to energy drinks, but without any of the fake additives, just natural ingredients that last. Built Go comes in 1.5-ounce packages that are easy to carry wherever your wall hits, at a meeting, at work, or to power through a workout. Just put it in your pocket and get through your day. It's the best workout gel on the market, and it comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? It combines energy gel with collagen protein that gets absorbed into your system quickly using vitamins, nutrients, honey, and a kick of caffeine to keep you going strong while strengthening joints, soft tissues, hair, and skin so you feel good and look good too. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. to continue getting my coverage of the NBA Finals by subscribing to the show on your favorite app to listen to podcasts and always get the latest episode by asking your smart device to play Lockdown Heat when you get in your car to get your team every day. Continuing with part two of my crossover episode with On Lakers host Anthony Irwin. Do you ever get the sense and maybe again this is my own history of watching LeBron in Miami things of that sort but do you ever get the sense that maybe LeBron is consciously conceding some of these points and stats, et cetera, to AD and saying, you could go ahead and get these now knowing that he can at any point in time, like dominate a game, even at this stage in his career, I think we still see and expect LeBron to be a, a dominant figure. Uh, and I just, sometimes, especially after game three, it just as great as Davis has been, sometimes it just doesn't feel like it, it's self-manufactured so much as just kind of either his shots coming on uh, assists from other players, especially LeBron or, if perhaps he's just kind of being allowed to have that free range to, to, to go ahead and get your points, especially when he can and has the talent to take advantage of any mismatch.
1: Yeah. That's, that's basically what he's been doing this year. All year has been deferring to Anthony Davis until he can't, you know? And I, and I thought it was kind of a mistake that, you know, he deferred to Anthony Davis. I thought a little bit too long in game three And and didn't really fully take over the game in the way that he normally does if AD doesn't seem to have it. So uh, I, I do anticipate that, you know, he'll probably defer again to Anthony Davis early. But if if he seems if Davis seems like he's kind of floating out there and he's in his own head again, then I think LeBron kind of puts his foot down and gets the Lakers in transition more. And, and tries to, to win the game more single-handedly than than he did. But I think if, if he could avoid it, he's going to try to avoid it uh, and, and as long as he possibly can.
0: Yeah. I was wondering, too, from your perspective, because you've seen – maybe you haven't watched the, the, the two shooters uh, as closely as I have, but what, what do you think has been the key to – Mitigating what Robinson and Hero can do. I mean, I know they're both different games and I know Mm it feels unfair to kind of lump them together. But one of the things that I I just keep coming back to and I feel like I've been repeating this over the last few shows, but I just feel like the Lakers wing length as far as their defenders being tall and being able to affect shots has impacted both of their shooting rhythms Mm -hmm. like uh, Robinson in particular feels like he's trying to ensure that he gets his shot off at the top of his shooting motion and so it's not as fluid or in the same kind of rhythm that it has been over the course of the regular season when he was one of the best shooters in NBA history and although he still has his opportunities and he still gets that shot down on occasion and we saw it uh, come up in big moments in, in game three it just it doesn't ever feel let me put it this way like if he had the open looks that he's had in games, you know, over the course of the regular season, the way he has in games one and two, he would have been able to knock those down. And I just, he has not. And I I wonder whether or not he's consciously changing the way he shoots things. We saw a little bit of it in the Celtics series because of their wing defenders constantly impacting his shot and having to, you know, maybe, and and this is another point I brought up on lockdown NBA without Bam there you know, that's a big part of that dribble handoff component that has worked so well, but do you see anything else that the Lakers defenders are doing to kind of take him out of his game and and not make him as much of a factor as we anticipated him being? Well, so basically
1: the Lakers identity is LeBron and AD, you go out there and do LeBron and AD things. And then the role players are going to focus on defending their butts off. And, uh, for the vast majority of the season, that identity has been plenty uh, to to win games off of. So, for for guys like Alex Caruso, guys like Danny Green, guys like KCP, uh, and, and on down the line, there Kyle Kuzma. I, nobody thinks, and, and and frankly, like he's going to make a whole bunch of dumb plays defensively. But I never watch Kuzma and feel like he isn't trying on that end. And I you know I watched I watched KCP. And he's always flying around the court defensively. Danny Green is one of the better wing defenders. And he's a little past his prime now, but but he's been one of the premier three and D guys in the NBA for a reason. And then Caruso, like I, I this is where I'm gonna sound like a homer or whatever, but I I think he's one of the best defenders, especially team defenders at his position in the NBA. So and they're all at least as tall as as Tyler Hero. You know, they're all Uh, You know, Duncan Robinson has a couple inches on them. He's listed at six, seven, but you know, for, for all of those guys to be at least tall enough to appear in the sight lines, when hero and Robinson are taking shots like that, that is, that's been a, a big factor here. And then all playoffs, they've done a very good job at identifying the guys who can really hurt them from the outside and running them off the three point line as much as possible, or at least making them as, as uncomfortable as they can while those guys are attempting those kinds of shots. So that was actually one of the things heading into the series that I was fairly confident about that, that Miami really relies on the shooting from those two guys and just in general, but the Lakers all postseason have done a pretty good job at, at, at the very least making shooters uncomfortable, if not just running them off the line altogether. So uh, I, one thing, one thing I think, you know, Bam coming back in the handoff game, I think is really going to help. And I think eventually like Miami's a very good backdoor cutting team. And this is where it also hurts to not have Drogic out there because he's a better passer than Kendrick Nunn is. So if those guys backdoor cut, does Kendrick pass? Cause I, I, sometimes it seems <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> right, right. How many passes has has Kendrick thrown Nunn in, in, in his career? Um, but, but for, for all of those guys though, like the way that you, you mitigate against or you counter the type of perimeter defense that the Lakers are playing is to backdoor cut them. And the Lakers have been susceptible to that at times because of the, the focus they have on running guys off the three point line. It's just really difficult to do that right now when you're missing, you know, two of the better passers on your roster
0: and we did see Crowder have some success in that. I'm sure that mm-hmm. was probably pretty difficult subject because he's just he's not a guy who normally gets those kinds of looks and, and so he was just able to take a lot of advantage of that kind of focus being diverted elsewhere. And mm-hmm. it does seem like that's been a big part of what Miami did well up to this moment or prior to those injuries where they were constantly moving and especially in that first half or the second half of game 1 and the first half of game 2. It just they seemed stuck in mud. They just were not moving. And I know a lot of that was probably they felt defeated, even though they came out with some energy in the first quarter of came Two. that was quickly, they just were, they were quickly beat down. And, and I don't think they ever really saw themselves as being able to come up and, and, and kind of match the Lakers intensity. So it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shifts in game four, because I do expect that there'll be a slight upgrade with out insertion to the lineup. Yeah,
1: I, I think uh, I think what what it's really going to take is just seeing what level if Dragic can play what level he can play at what level Bam can play at if he's yeah. you know if he ever gets back out there and is fully healthy and able to do so like those you think of those guys as you know being able to to create for themselves and 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 they're just huge parts of the team. Well, the way that that shows up is it takes away from the attention that is paid to Duncan Robinson, the amount of attention that is paid to Tyler hero Uh, where the Lakers are somewhat for, you know, built well enough to, to, I think defend Miami in general is just because they, they have somebody like AD that you don't need to go out and help if he's guarding uh, at a bio in, in, in isolation and, and Dwight to a lesser degree obviously is, is some of the same way, but, you know when when those when when Adebayo and and Drogic aren't out there, and the Lakers could really key in, you know, they can really key in on on uh, Robinson and and Hero and and Crowder and and on down that on down the rest of the roster. That's where you know you're really asking a lot of these guys. Who, by the way, like they're there for the first time uh, in this kind of a situation. You know, to to, to you're asking them to do a lot. So. Uh, the nice thing is though, like you win, you pick up that one win and and they have you know you get the confidence that comes from that, you get the confidence from learning that yeah Jimmy Butler can go out there and outplay LeBron. I just gotta make it so that he doesn't have to or at least doesn't have to to that extent. and, and that's all I would be asking for if I was Eric bolstra.
0: Lockdown Lakers host Anthony Irwin and I will continue our conversation on the NBA Finals and much more. You're listening to Lockdown Heat.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: It's a reminder that you can always reach me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Here's my third and last segment on this crossover episode with Locked On Lakers host, Anthony Irwin. That's uh, exactly, I think, the mindset moving forward is that Jimmy provides an inspirational spark and then everybody else has to figure out a way. And I I think he kind of even hinted at it in his post-game presser when he said you know, now we, we know we belong here. And although as we've been talking about also episode long is that they did have that confidence. They knew that they were going to be here or knew that they could challenge any team at this level. Now there's actual confirmation. They pulled out a win and maybe that's not enough. And maybe eventually they just lose the next two games, but it could also go in the opposite direction where now all of a sudden there's renewed confidence or, or I, I think, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a vindication that they do belong at this point and that they mm-hmm. are capable of challenging the Lakers who or I think were heavy favorites moving forward, but
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like for, for me where if I were, if I were a heat fan, I would be pretty thrilled basically. I mean, obviously you'd prefer to have Rodick and, and Adebayo healthy and, and really fully challenge the Lakers on even footing. Uh, but just the amount of fight that you see from, from Miami, which everybody outside of Miami is learning this kind of everybody in Miami who has paid attention to that team is saying, yeah, it's, it's been here all year. We've, especially since the bubble and since uh, the the league kind of picked back up, this has been how things work here for, for Miami. Uh, But, but still seeing that it works to this level, even given everything that was that they were up against heading into game three, like that's just that's the kind of it allows everything else to be gambling with house money at this point. You picked up that win. Now you get to play looser. Now you get to and you're playing looser with the confidence that comes with having already beaten these guys. Like that's and then and then by the way, Miami's gonna get better next season. And and yeah, like the Lakers are probably gonna get better too, but building off of this, like making this the foundation of the run in the jimmy butler era like that's this is the kind of moments that you look back on and you say like yeah this is where we found out for sure what this organization is capable of and now it's a matter of building up from that point
0: point. one last question before we, we wrap it up here at least from my perspective unless you have something else that you want to get into but what would it take for miami What would Miami have to do in this series for Lakers fans not to be dismissive of this team and what they've accomplished? Because I feel like there's a lot. Maybe that's just a conversation on basketball Twitter, which is never a good source for anything. But if you look at that, it's like this Heat team doesn't belong here. They didn't do anything to earn it. The East is crap. And I just I feel like that's all the Heat fandom and my listeners have been listening and seeing. But uh, maybe that's not your perspective. But at the same time, what would the Heat have to do in order to not be – just viewed as an, an also ran and, 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 the Lakers eyes.
1: Well, I mean, if they win game t- or game four and tie this thing up and make it a three game series, I think that'd get uh, a lot of the attention, like what it would it basically comes down to. And I've, I've noticed some of this too, and it's that like Miami isn't Boston or they aren't Milwaukee. Jimmy Butler isn't Giannis uh, you know, Tyler hero, isn't Jason Tatum that you don't get that rivalry between the Lakers and Boston that, that people throughout the, the the league and the fan bases kind of look for and identify as the, the, the perfect finals situation. Uh, and, and I just think, you know, gauging anything or analyzing anything based off of what it isn't is a super flawed approach. And then the other thing too, is like, I think the NBA quite frankly does a really poor job of marketing teams that aren't, the Lakers that aren't the warriors that aren't Zion, you know, they, it's just, if you, if you don't have stars like that, you aren't going to get as many national games. The conversation about you is going to be, how do you match up against the teams that we would prefer to see at the finals uh, that, and, and I think, you know, for the NBA, one of the things that I would kind of demand out of the, the, the league's partners, the television partners is you guys got to do a better job co- covering this league. And like whether it's Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson or Chris Weber or Reggie Miller or on down the line Charles Barkley, like we got to find our Tony Romo who actually appears happy to be there when right. when he goes into work and and actually seems to enjoy the league and the way that the sport is being played. Uh, some somewhere along the line here, the Jay Williams, the Jalen Roses, the Stephen A. Smiths, you know, the loudest voices. In basketball coverage, you got you you got to actually start playing up the Miamis of the world, the Milwaukee's even of the world, uh, the Denvers, the Utahs, like these storylines. People shouldn't be learning about how great a leader is Jimmy But uh, Jimmy Butler is at this stretch of the season as it's about to end. You should you should know about that. You should know that some of these matchups are, could be a of you know fun matchups way earlier than, than when they're finally just kind of put in front of you uh, and you don't have any other choice, but to pay attention to them. So uh, I, I kind of hear what, what, what they're saying. I've tried to tune, you know, tune out a lot of the, the analysis from especially national writers, just because I, it, it gets kind of tedious, but uh, but if, you know, if you're a, a heat fan and you're looking for confirmation of, of what this team has done. And you know, all you're getting is, well, you're not Boston. Like that's where I just find some content that actually highlights how great a team Miami has been. Well said. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm set. I, so are you still, you know, just in terms of moving forward in this one, are you still on the same page as me? That you, I think you probably think it's more of a six or seven game series, but the Lakers win.
0: Yeah, I, I do actually. I, I'm my feeling is that uh, they can continue to do what's worked well over the last game and a half, and with the addition of bio and the hope that maybe Gorn will be able to play if the series goes six, then maybe you can find a way to even things out. So, I mean, look, it's, I know it's daunting. I'd be an idiot to think otherwise, given the, the deficit they already are. But I, I mean, I think if you had asked heat fans or anybody that you, you would lose two of your best players on this roster and still be down just two games to one, it, it sounds much more insurmountable than it actually is. And I know we're talking about four total wins, but I think you take it. I, I don't think anybody would have expected to be in this position. And that it came after a, a thorough dismantling in game one and then kind of a, a consistent beating in game two, that seems to have taken a lot of the energy out of any kind of confidence or hope. But I think Jimmy's performance can be an inspirational and motivational factor. Like, you know, you never want to look at it from that kind of mystical perspective, or it's not about off the court things or psychology, but I mean, look at this team and everything they've accomplished. They face adversity. They thrive under that kind of pressure and being challenged and not being viewed as good or anything like that. This whole season has been such a, just again, kind of looking at everybody and saying we are good enough. We don't care what you think. And look no further than what Eric Spolster said. I mean, we, we don't give a shit when everybody else thinks. I mean, that yeah. that kind of sums it up so perfectly. And I just – it's amazing to think that uh, he can just be even keeled, that he's been through these kinds of things before. Two games to one, I mean, maybe you need more talent in order for it to not seem as daunting. But still, if you get another big Kelly Olenek performance or you get that big hero game or that big Robinson game in games four, all of a sudden the series is tied, and who knows what happens from that point forward. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 how this goes. And momentum
1: is fickle. It can come and go. And right now, I think it's pretty heavily in, in Miami's corner. It's just a matter of whether they can sustainably carry that momentum through, you know, one more, all they really need is one more game. Like if they could win game four and really make the, the Lakers nervous. And now Anthony Davis is thinking about what losing this series might mean for him. Now LeBron is thinking the same thing. Does LeBron's shot tighten up the way that it did against Denver? You know, does, does the Lakers shooting just go completely dry uh, in, in maybe a, another game or two here and there. And now you're really talking about pushing the Lakers beyond a place that they're very comfortable at. So game four is going to be huge. And I, I, I can't wait for it just because of everything that's, that's at stake in, in playing it. Uh, do we get, uh, a LeBron performance to, to rival what Jimmy Butler did? Does Jimmy Bo- Butler go out and, and do it again? Does Anthony Davis cement his legacy as a Laker? Like there's so much at stake in game four and I just, I can't, it can't possibly
0: get here quickly enough. That's a good point. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little bit more excited about the series. It was difficult. I'll be honest with you after games one and two. But, yeah. uh, but Jimmy, even from a personal perspective, it seems to have uh, rekindled that enthusiasm. But you're right. Uh, it's, there's lots of stories and all of them will be hammered out on Tuesday night. Should be a great one. Absolutely. Thanks, man. For, thanks for doing this. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. Depending on how long the series goes, it'll always be a good conversation. I hope you enjoyed the crossover episode, talking a little bit about the NBA Finals and what to expect as the series continues to progress. Make sure you checked out part one of the crossover if you have not done so already over at Locked on Lakers. And I'm sure we'll be talking again at some point later on just to wrap up the series or to continue talking about this if it goes to seven games, as I expect it might. I'm David O'Mill signing off and thanking you as always for your support.